Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of Breakfast with Brokers. And unfortunately, we are still in quarantine. Actually, tomorrow marks six weeks. So while this has not been easy, one of the joys of quarantining is you get more time with your loved ones. And my husband is uh, the owner of the Ascalis Law Group. He um, uh, specializes in multiple different types of law, but one is with uh, real estate law. And so I have somehow convinced him to come on here. (laughs) So we're going to talk to him in this episode and get his take um, on the COVID crisis and how it's affecting real estate from his perspective. So here we go. So without further ado, let's just jump right in. Pat, if you could please give us a little of your background, um, that would be very helpful. So I am the owner of the Ascalese Law Group. Uh, we're based in Hoboken. I personally specialize in residential and commercial real estate transactional work, sales and leasing. Um, the firm more generally handles Litigation of pretty much all kinds, um, landlord-tenant eviction work, wills, trust and estates, general business counsel, uh, and a number of other somewhat more specialized things. Um, my personal area of practice at this point, the primary focus is in residential real estate sales and purchases. Um, we've been handling that for about five years in Hoboken. And over the course of that five years, this is uh, obviously things have, have changed drastically in the, in the past month and a half to two months. A um, whole lot of new developments and changes in the way that we do things. Uh, but I'll wait for your more specific questions on what you'd like <laughs> to address. Anything on what you've done in the past, what your past law experience was, all that jazz. Uh, so prior to opening this firm, I worked at two large North Jersey firms uh, specializing in uh, complex litigation, trial work, and to- towards the end of my tenure there, uh, real estate, commercial and residential sales and trans- and leasing. So we have a lot of people that listen that are entrepreneurs. Um, obviously, it was a huge leap for you to leave uh you know, a big firm and whatnot and start your own firm. Um, are you happy you made that decision being your own boss now? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving right along. So obvious question. Uh, we'll just hit it right up front. You know, what are you seeing as far as what's happening in the market? Um, are you seeing deals, you know, still coming in? Are you seeing deals that coming in, the majority of them staying together or falling apart? I mean, if you can give us a really honest take on, uh, on what you're seeing right now. So market's obviously drastically slower than it typically would be in the third week of April. What percentage of, of transactions were down at the moment relative to a year ago? It's kind of hard to, kind of hard to say, but it, it's a significant number. New deals are starting um, 
where and then once we're actually out of attorney review the the loss rate of new transactions is much higher than it typically would be in in a normal year in the spring market i would say that we probably lose anywhere from two to three percent of transactions that get into attorney review and by lose i mean exit attorney review and then don't close for any reason whether that's a failure of a contingency or a lack of financing low appraisal whatever the case may be Right now, I would say that we're probably losing 10 to 15% of new transactions, meaning we get into contract, we clear attorney review, and then 10 to 15% of those those transactions are not closing um, for any number of reasons, ranging from inability to get to an agreement on inspection items to unexpected changes in financial circumstances for buyers to you know, just lack of access to, to units. Uh, frankly, there, there are buyers who don't want to wait to do home inspections and things of that sort. And so the timing is not working out for, for a lot of transactions. I mean, I think we'd be remiss in not talking about the level of fear that is circulating both of our industries right now. Like, you know, which I think, you know, some of it's obviously warranted. If you're tied, if you're by, you know, borrowing against your 401k and that's heavily tied in the market, obviously you're going to have less buying power. If you are, you know, think you're losing your job or you're being furloughed or whatnot, obviously that all comes into account. I, I don't think this conversation right now is geared toward those people. I'm talking about the people that are liquid, able to buy, and we're seeing an enormous amount of fear amongst them or maybe even thinking about it from like a, a, a like a proactive perspective in the sense that like, oh, well, when this is all over, prices are going to be 30% lower. So we're going to back out. Are you seeing people use those excuses or, you know, I hate to use the word excuses. Maybe it's like, are you seeing people with, with those specific fears or do you think it's more legitimate fears where people actually won't have a job in six weeks? I only have two transactions in the past two months that failed because someone actually lost a job. Um, it's despite what, what is happening nation and, and worldwide at the moment relative to the economy, only two transactions have genuinely be, been impacted due to the buyer losing their employment. I have one where I represent a seller. The buyer has been furloughed. And so he's taking a fairly significant hit on his income, but he has not been terminated. And that transaction is moving forward, as is, with, with no adjustment. You know, even on his furloughed income, he qualifies for the, for the mortgage that he had applied for. And so a lot more of it is kind of conceptual concerns as opposed to practical problems. So buyers almost across the board are asking for more time. Th- their concern isn't necessarily that they, that they don't want to close, it's that they don't want to close yet. What people want to see, or at least my impression of what people want to see, is that there is a reopening of the economy on the horizon and that when that happens, they will still be employed. And the issue that people have right now is they have put down their deposit of X number of dollars, whatever percentage of the purchase price it may be. They don't want to take the next step, which is to put down the balance of their down payment 
and pay their closing costs and be tied to a mortgage only to find out that a couple weeks from now, maybe they don't have a job. And so time is, is critical. The more secure people feel in their employment, the more likely they are to stick around in these transactions. They want to close. They just want to close when they know that they have made it to the other side of this economic change. All right. Well, that's a positive thing. So that tells me that like, you know, this isn't unwarranted, like, greed-based fear where people are like, oh, in six weeks, it's going to be 30% lower. It sounds like the majority of it is people that genuinely would like to close on these properties and not for anything, not to like point out the obvious, but like a lot of these people are in rate locks with rates that were lower than they are now. So it behooves them to really close on time and get the right rate lock, um, or get the right rate rather. So that that's actually a little bit uh, refreshing. But to f- to further talk about that, you know, what what are you guys putting into contracts right now that protect a buyer? Like, let's say you have a new buyer get into contract. Like, you and I had a deal a couple weeks ago. It was in the, 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 literally in the thick of all of this. And there were several clauses that went in there. Is that something I know our clients were very specific because there was a lot of moving parts, but are you, what is like a general clause that's going into these contracts that, that didn't, you know, two months ago to protect people and maybe give them a little bit of extra you know, wiggle room to, to a lot for what's going on in the world. So there's a provision that we're putting in all attorney review letters at this point that allow for a blanket extension, depending on what the parties want to agree to. Typically, it's either 14 or 30 days unilateral, meaning you don't need the other side to agree to that extension. You're able to just exercise it due to something that's outside your control in terms of scheduling. So deposits are still due when they're supposed to be due typically anywhere from seven to 10 days after the close of attorney review. But everything that follows that, that involves a third party is subject to an extension by either party for a fixed period of time. So that includes home inspections, appraisals, mortgage commitments, and closing. Uh, And then there's a catch-all at the end that effectively says that in the event that any of those dates are going to be extended for more than 60 days, either side would have the opportunity to terminate the transaction. It would be a penalty-free termination. Deposit would go back to the buyer. Everyone would go their separate ways, which is not something that we had ever incorporated before because it didn't seem that there was any real need for it. But particularly on, on occupied properties, the scheduling of things like home inspections and appraisals has been changed in a very dramatic way. So if, for instance, you're a seller and you're selling a property that has a tenant living in it, there's a very real possibility that that tenant is going to take the position that they don't want to have a stranger in the unit while this is all going on. So what would typically be our 14-day post-close of attorney review deadline for serving inspection reports and requests is going to be subject to access to the unit. So if that's not something that we're able to accomplish in a, in a safe manner with everyone being in agreement for 30 days, then that's what we're going to have to extend that window to. Same thing with appraisals. It it means a third party coming into a unit. Um, And lenders have made serious changes to the appraisal process, everything from what they're referring to as desk appraisals or drive-by appraisals, where they base everything on the MLS and comps that are submitted by the agents to the appraiser without ever having to access the unit. 
That's interesting. I mean, at least it's, it's keeping things a little bit healthy and, at least, and still keeping things moving. Um, just being an agent in town, you know, getting smoke certs and stuff, I think Hoboken and, and Union City, and Union City typically is horrendous to get smoke certs out of. Um, I think the, the, the plan that they've actually put in place for this was, was pretty amazing. Um, Hoboken the same. I haven't had to get one from Jersey City during this time, but from what I understand, they're doing similar you know, they're putting a similar plan in place to get to get everyone smoke certs and keep everything moving. Um, is there a town in particular that's that's holding things up or is a little bit more challenging to get, you know, the the smoke certs and whatnot? Uh, no, there, there really isn't. The, every town has gotten easier in terms of getting them. The only one that I'm familiar with that having any any type of issue from from any of the agents is actually Jersey City. Jersey City still has the no inspection process that Hoboken has where the agent goes to the fire department and you apply for your smoke cert and you get it um, just based on affidavit representation. Jersey City though has been open and closed kind of intermittently. You know Hoboken people has been Hoboken people have been pretty consistently getting through to and getting their smoke certs on time. I have heard from a number of agents that they went to Jersey City on a weekday during typical business hours and that particular department just wasn't open. But other than that, every other every other municipality has gotten easier. Union City, I mean, is... is it's like a joke. ...is notoriously difficult. Um, just so they, everyone listening understands what Union City's smoke dessert process is, I'm just going to throw it out there right now. You have to go. <laughs> you have to... Sk- you, you, the process within the building is insane. I get something stamped downstairs. Then you have to go upstairs. Then you go back downstairs with the same s- slip. And then you go... They, they have to schedule an appointment. Then they have to come out and inspect. Then you go back and you do the same da- dance up and down. And lovely people that work there. But it's like... It's incredibly frustrating and archaic. And literally two weeks ago, we had a closing and somebody met me on the street in a mask and gloves and was like, here you go, <laughs> um, which is honestly the way it should be. I mean, we're pledging as agents and, you know, our owners are pledging that everything's done well based on a checklist. You know, it's I get why they would want to do the uh, the checks for, for you know, it's, it's, it's a densely populated area. But at the same time, like, it, you know, it's just it's just notoriously one of the worst places. So that was actually really nice to see. Um. All right. Well, you know, shifting gears on a more positive note, let's say people, you know, the slowing down of transactions continues for the foreseeable future until we go, you know, start opening things up. Um, What other legal services do you offer uh, that people can take advantage of now (laughs) that they're home with their families? (laughs) Well, look. Such as divorce proceedings. Do you handle divorces? (laughs) Do not. Do not. But in terms of things that have have picked up as a result of the circumstances that we have right now uh we're doing a lot of at least initial preliminary consulting with both landlords and tenants about what their respective rights are the landlord tenant process and the the court's schedule for things has just been completely thrown off off the rails um so as of right now there is a there's no access to the landlord tenant court system for a landlord you can you can file your eviction action if you have a basis for your tenant to be evicted whether it's non-payment or frankly anything else at, at this point but the court won't start processing those for anywhere from 30 to 60 days after the state of emergency is lifted so 
not only is there not a hard deadline, it's a it's a deadline that shifts on a daily basis because we don't know exactly when the state of emergency is going to be lifted. That's that's one. Two is estate planning. You know, obviously, setting aside all the negative implications of a, of a global pandemic and not not getting overly morbid about it, people are considering this for good reason. You know, whether or not they have some type of plan in place relative to you know, uh, durable powers of attorney to handle their finances or advanced medical directives for people to make decisions in the event that they're incapacitated and not able to make decisions on their own behalf. And now people have more free time on their hands to actually, you know, delve into the question, you know, the very significant questions about who you want to have handle these things. So we, we've seen a significant uptick in that as well. And then similar to the landlord tenant issue, um, the state of New Jersey has put a moratorium on municipal property tax appeals. So typically they're due on April 1st. They were put off to May 1st. They have since changed that directive to fall in line with the landlord tenant timeline. So municipal tax appeals are not due until 30 days after the state of emergency is lifted, meaning in the event that you believe that your property is inappropriately overassessed relative to its market value and you missed the April 1 deadline, either because you weren't considering it or you didn't have any reason to believe that that was the case at the time, there is additional time. And so anyone who wants to take the opportunity to file the, you know, file an appeal on their municipal taxes, this is a good year to do it because there's a lot more time to consider uh, what, the potential, what the potential benefits would be of a successful appeal. I mean, one of the other things I'm just thinking outside the box and trying to keep things as positive, but positive as possible, um, you know, just being a huge advocate of people starting their own businesses, I would imagine the amount of people being home right now, you know, unfortunately being laid off and furloughed, but also just home, maybe working from home and realizing that, you know, that side hustle might be possible and whatnot. You, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you do do like LLCs and forming corporations and all that stuff. Yeah, we do. We do uh, entity formations and drafting of operating agreements and things of that sort for anyone who's looking to to launch their own business, whether it's a single member LLC or a much more significant corporate entity. That's something that we do for a number of local businesses. Cool. All right. Well, I think we can. Is there anything else you you'd like to share? He's shaking his head now. I know how much you love being on your wife's podcast, but. Thank you for coming on here today. <laughs> um, I think, why do you want to share what some of the your favorite moments have been? Uh, spending so much time with your wife and her sister? <laughs> no. <laughs> awesome. Lovely. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you for being on. If anybody has any questions, uh, you can contact Pat Askelis at the Askelis Law Group in Hoboken. What's your email? P. Askelese at askeleselaw.com. Askelese is spelled A-S-C-O-L-E-S-E. And your number is what? 201. 201. 850-1112. 1-1-1-2. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, uh, for tuning in. Um, trying to bring you as much information as possible during this crazy time, but hoping everyone's staying healthy, staying well, um, and staying sane out there. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Be well.